and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The NFL Draft is this week. Zach Wilson could... Go number two to the Jets. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he covers the Jets for the New York Post. He also uh, does a little reporting for WFAN there in New York. He's Brian Costello with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brian, thank you for a few minutes. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, quick question, then we'll dive into the actual draft. But am I a bad person if I root for the moments of the competition between the mother of the draftee and the girlfriend for who gets the first hug? Am I am I bad if I'm cheering for that awkwardness? <laughs> no, that's part of the draft, I guess. You know, <laughs> this year it'll be just nice to see any hug. So, you know, uh, staying uh, uh, dialed in on this as possible, Zach Wilson, obviously we uh, here don't get a whole lot of uh, draft picks that highly touted. Alex Smith went number one back in 2005, and we've had a couple of other, you know, top 10, top 15 type player over, uh, players over the years, but obviously high-profile quarterback, and you look around and um, most, not all, of the mock drafts have Zach going number two to the Jets. Is that really the uh, the intent? How, how solid, I guess, do you think the Jets are on taking Zach? Yeah, I think it's ninety nine point nine percent. You know, nothing's a, nothing's a certainty in this world, but this is as close to it as possible. You know, I had heard back in February that the Jets really liked Zach. That Joe Douglas, the general manager, had kind of fallen in love with him. Um, obviously, at that time, Sam Darrell was still on the roster. I think there were some people within the organization who were arguing to keep Darnold. But, um, you know, then it just became more and more evident when Zach had his pro day, didn't really get his pro day, and then, uh, you know, about a week and a half later, the Jets traded Sam Darnold. And it's been pretty obvious that, that Zach's the choice since then. From people you're talking to, what is it about Zach that the Jets like? Yeah, they're not saying a whole lot right now. You know, they, they, they're not going to admit this. Uh, they're, they're trying to keep it close to their vest. But I think it's, you know, pretty obvious that the the way his arm talent is, the way he can throw the ball off platform, he can kind of extend plays. I think that all appeals to them. Um, you know, I think they're bringing in the San Francisco offense that Shanahan ran with Michael Floor as their new offensive coordinator. Uh, it's kind of similar to what BYU ran. They've seen him, uh, you know, run some play action, run RPOs, and he fits that system. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think they just love everything that they've seen from him, and then. You know, they, they love guys who love football. That's that's a big mantra of theirs. And I've talked to a lot of people at BYU, and it sounds like Zach is a film hound and watches everything he can get his hands on and loves the game. And I'm sure that appeals to the Jets as well. If he does go to the Jets, what are his prospects for immediate success? I mean, are they going to be able to put some pieces <laughs> around him, or is this going to be, you know, the perpetual build? Yeah, it's going to be a while. Um, the Jets, yeah, obviously, they went 2-14 and 14 last year. That's why they're in a position to draft that. And it's going to take a while. Uh, they got a lot of work to do. They have 21 draft choices in the next two years, so they have the ammunition to do it. But it's not going to be overnight. Yeah, he's going to he's going to have some growing pains with this team this year. I think it's going to be a rough year. Uh, depending, you know, see how quickly he plays. 
you know, my suspicion is he'll play right away if they're thinking of number two. But uh, even if he does, if he comes in, I think this is, this will be a rough season for the Jets. And I think his best hope is that they can they can add some pieces this year, add some pieces next year, and maybe have a better outcome in, uh, in 2022. Tell us about Joe Douglas, the general manager there for for the Jets. Is is he uh, the type of I guess is he going to put the pieces around uh, Zach? Is he going to be the one to finally be able to build the Jets back up? We'll see. Uh, you know, I can't guarantee anything. He's been on the job. It's strange. He's been on the job almost two years now. June will be two years. But since he came in in June in 2019, he, there wasn't much he could do with the 2019 roster. He didn't have a draft. Didn't have you know, the majority of free agency. So last year was really his first chance. He drafted left tackle Makai Becton in the first round last year with the idea of building around Sam Darnold. He took Denzel um, Mims, a wide receiver from Baylor, in the second round. Again, the idea of building around Darnold. And, you know, Becton played pretty well, but he had some injuries. And Mims was uh, injured from the start. Didn't really, didn't really get going last season. So, yeah, I think he was trying to, to do it last year, and it didn't work out quite as well. So, we'll see how he does uh, with, with Zach now. And they added Corey Davis from the Titans in free agency, so that helps. But there's still a lot of work to do. Why did it ultimately not work out with Sam Darnold? Uh, hey, there's a lot of reasons. You know, I, the biggest thing right now is timing. Um, you know, I think if things had been different, Sam would still be on the team. But with the Jets having the number two overall choice, they get a chance at a quarterback and starting over contractually rather than going into this year with Sam and his last year of his deal. And, they've, you know, they've, like I said, I don't think the team's going to be very good this year. So the best-case scenario with Sam this year would have been, you know, they're 7-10, and 10, which sounds odd to say, 17-game season, but they go 7-10 and 10 and, you know, Sam maybe throws 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions. Then do you commit to him? And with these quarterback contracts that are $35, $40 million a year, you're not going to do that. So the timing wasn't great there. Uh, I don't think this was a matter of the Jets saying, we don't think Sam Darnold can play. Uh, we think Zach Wilson is better than him. I think it was just kind of the way this situation worked out. Um, and that, you know, they, they don't, they're hoping they're not going to be picking number two again for a long time. This was their chance to get a quarterback and sort of start over financially. Brian Costello is with us from the New York Post. He covers the the Jets and uh, Brian, my my normal co-host Gordon, he's he's on vacation somewhere somewhere tropical, enjoying himself. But uh, he often likes to bring up ownership, and he talks about it a lot. How uh, you know, really, the having a good owner is the most important thing when it comes to a successful franchise. So with, with that in mind, I'm channeling him a little bit here. But uh, what kind of owner is Woody Johnson, especially now that he's back from his diplomatic duties overseas? Yeah, I mean, Woody, he's, he can be um, a very active owner. He, he spends money over the years. That hasn't been the problem. He's not cheap. Sometimes he gets a little bit too involved. Uh, the Tim Tebow trade, you might remember, that was Woody, and um, he's done some things like that, that that haven't worked out. Woody's biggest problem is who he listens to, um, or, you know, he, he hasn't listened to the right people through the years, and sometimes that's led to bad hiring and bad decisions. Uh, right now, Joe Douglas has all the juice, so it's going to be really weird to see what Joe Douglas can do. Joe, you know, I think Woody's going to listen to Joe and not interfere and let Joe kind of run his show right now. Uh, I think you know they're very excited about Robert Sala coming in as coach. Um, so you know, I think I don't think Woody's a bad owner in terms of getting in the way. Uh, I just think he made some poor choices of who he's listened to and who he's taken advice from uh, over the last ten years. 
So as I'm sure you're aware, BYU is a, a unique place. Um, they have, you know, BYU TV. They have a, a really good journalism school there that uh, is kind of involved with, uh, with the athletic program, covering it, you know, daily television and radio shows, those sorts of things. And uh, BYU Media Day, for example, is, is a, re- it's a huge event. And you, you're, you're surprised where all these people are coming from that cover BYU. But I guess my point is, is that Zach over the last couple of years has fielded a lot of, you know, pretty friendly questions and you uh, media yeah. types there in New York have a bit of a reputation. And uh, of course he's going to big, big spotlight, big time franchise in a big time city. You know, how much do they consider maturity and that sort of thing and the ability to handle that when selecting a player? Yeah, I think they consider it. Um, you know, I think they're definitely this, this regime, Joe Douglas, I don't know Robert Sullivan, but Joe values maturity, values character in the draft last year. Uh, I can't remember how many players they drafted last year, but I think all but one of them was a team captain. And so, like, that kind of tells you that, that they were looking for character guys. And we look at what they did in free agency, the guys they signed were all high character guys. So I think they consider it. They also have people in place to help Zach with that stuff, right? They, they You know, they have – media relations experts that will help Zach kind of navigate his way through the media world. And, um, you know, he's going to, he's going to get a honeymoon. The rookie year isn't so bad. Uh, we're, we're not, we're not as bad as everyone cracks us up to be. The biggest difference with New York is, uh, the numbers. There's, there's a lot of us. And, um, you know, if Zach decides to go out on a Sunday night after a game and go to a bar in New York and, uh, it's going to end up in the papers. You know, they, we have like, gossip pages that, that love it when an athlete goes out. It's not that he's doing anything wrong, but it'll be reported. And, and that's kind of jarring sometimes for guys is that, uh, you know, wherever they go, they're a celebrity and they kind of get written about. And we have the back page here at the Post that, uh, you know, is sometimes a little bit different. We, you know, when Sam Darrell got mononucleosis, we had a drawing basically of him with you know in bed with a thermometer in his mouth and you, you don't get that everywhere <laughs> so that kind of stuff is a little different you might take, take some time to get used to but you know i'm sure he's been covered pretty tough through through his life um and, and he's heard criticism before so i don't think that'll phase him well i believe that byu has been named the driest school in the country for <laughs> decades now so if going to the bar was a real priority for zach i'm thinking he would have gone to BYU. <laughs> yeah, i think that uh so maybe yeah. he can cross that one uh off the list but um hey listen uh we really appreciate you coming on brian thanks for uh casting a little light on a possible landing spot for zach wilson we appreciate it no problem thanks for having me Brian Costello covers the Jets for the New York Post. Also does some uh, reporting for WFAN there in the uh, in the Big Apple. And I didn't mean to uh, take a shot at our local media here because I, I do think Zach, you know, got some experience with some difficult questions and coverage and that sort of thing. But you know, as Brian told us there, New York's a bit of a different animal when it comes to that sort of thing. And uh, you know, I I truly believe East Coast bias is a thing because you know that's where those news organizations and things like that are located, and that's where the the light shines the brightest. And that will that will be an adjustment. Every time I think of, and by the way, as I said thanks to Brian, I said, well, maybe the New York media will drive Zach to want to start drinking. You, you never know. <laughs> uh, but every time I think of this myth or this lore, maybe is a better word, of the, the New York media eating athletes alive, and I roll my eyes, I then remind myself of Michael Strahan. 
Can you think of a more mountainous, cool customer than Michael Strahan when he was a player? And yet the one moment that goes through my mind time and time and time again is when he loses his mind in the locker room at a, at a media reporter and says, look me in the eye. Look me in the eye when you're going to kill a man or whatever. Yeah. And, he, he's, and he's a madman in that moment. <laughs> The media there is just completely different. Yeah. From and from what Brian was saying, Zach did have a lot of attention here while he was at BYU. Absolutely. Uh, and, and if he had had some run-ins or whatever, it would have been a big story. But just going out to a bar in New York on a Sunday night, whether he drinks or not, that's that is suddenly news in New York, and it's not news if he goes to the Provo beaches here. You know, to to make a local comparison, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have a confession for you here, Austin. My my mother really likes the the tabloid. You know, does she the, really? You know, like the the Star and the Enquirer and that stuff. It's her it's her guilty pleasure, and and she gives them to me because I like them too. I, I got you do it. I do, what? but but I do look at like the star picks. You know what I'm talking about. Where they're just random paparazzi yeah. shots as they're doing just mundane things, you know what I mean? Like here they walking are walking back to their car at Costco. Yeah, exactly. And do you ever just think to yourself, like, why? Why is this a thing? You know, like I, I, I don't care where where Kiefer Sutherland buys his cat food. <laughs> you know, like it makes zero. Like, why is this? A section like I get these salacious stories about who's having an affair with whom, you know, that's like uh, I understand why people are interested in that. But like here is uh, Burt Reynolds. Rest his soul. Uh, uh, now, if they got a picture of Burt yeah, Reynolds, that's true. You know, that is news. Here's Burt feeding pigeons at the local park. Like what? And the, the we can't let Burt feed the pigeons. <laughs> You know, I I just don't I I don't get that. Listen, I'm I'm somebody who consumes the paparazzi's work. Obviously, I I read these. Yeah, you watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake or whatever. But I I don't understand. Maybe that that's the line for me. Maybe that and when when especially if the kids are in the shot. Yeah, are we do we need to photograph them twenty four seven every time they leave their front door? Does that really have to be a thing? And in New York, everything's so small. I mean, it's not like you you can disappear into the, you know, like, honestly, if you were a professional athlete that truly wanted 100% privacy in Utah, you could live a half hour away from the practice facility and be completely isolated. I think most do live about a half hour away. I I would consider it, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know, like, Joe Johnson, for example, he chose to live in Park City, you know, where he could, I think he lived in Glen Wild, where he could pretty much be isolated or whatever. You can't do that in New York. Well, uh, 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 Gordon Hayward, it was very public where he lived, both places where he lived, and his na- but he talked all the time about how his neighbors, and for the most part the public, just left him alone. Right. That's not going to happen in New York. That's not going to—you're not going to be left alone in New York. Right. In Salt Lake, you could be ten- Ted Kaczynski in, like, 35 minutes. Like in a shack in the middle of nowhere where nobody's oh, going to find you. that part of Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> no, not the bombing part. The isolated part. The alone in the you. woods. Yeah. yeah, the Walden on Golden Pond. Yeah, part. right. Yeah. Yeah. Not the, not the, not the abusing, Sorry. abusing the postal system to to commit domestic terror. No, Did I say I'm not, on Golden Pond. I yeah. meant Walden Pond or something, wasn't it? What? David Thoreau. Oh. That wrote the, the where he went out and lived in a cabin and self-sustained. Yeah. And, Let's go with that the, rather than Ted Kaczynski. It's got to be tiring, though, to be watched everywhere you go. Speaking of Mark Eaton, 
who's going to be on with us at 5 o'clock. I, I don't know how he exists because everybody knows who he is and never everybody knows where he is at all times. If you're within a mile of Mark Eaton, you can probably spot him. It's, it's the worst Where's Waldo ever made. I've told this story before, but I went to a Red Butte concert. Uh, and it's, uh, you, you know, we're in there and we're waiting for the show to begin. And I, I, I don't know how, what capacity is there, but it's probably five, 6,000, right? I mean, yeah, that's thousands right, of yeah. people, right? I'm just sitting there minding my own business, you know, eating my, uh, uh, sandwich or whatever I brought there. And I go, Oh, Mark Eaton's here because he was walking to find his spot. Like, like across, not next the, to you, like across the Dern amphitheater from me. <laughs> Oh, there he is! Like, it's got to be terrible. It's got it's got to wear on you. It's got to wear on. And you. yet, and the same thing go. I think of Thurl in the same way. Oh, and, and yet, he is every time. Both of them are so gracious, smiles, and so understanding. And, yeah, I would never be that way. I bet. Get away from me. Let me have a, a moment at Red Butte without being Mark Eaton, the basketball player. Right. Now, what? Now, add to it what our guy Britton Johnson has to go to go through, where he <laughs> has to deal with that too. Except for people think he is somebody else. That's right. The yeah. the misidentification of, of and he still Britain. has to be. But in that case, he shouldn't be gracious and then give the other guy a bad name. True. That's he true. could he could act like the the worst thing he ever wanted to do and. It, he wouldn't get blamed. And by the way, shout out to our guy Sean Bradley, who is who is definitely going through some stuff uh, down in in St. George. And uh, we, by bringing that up, I'm not trying to be uh, disrespectful. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you the funniest one that I no, there's a couple funny ones. But one of the funniest ones is when Britain got a hey, how's it going, Sean, from a guy wearing a Utah <laughs> at the Jazz game. He's got a Utah hat on. Britain just goes, really. Even you and the one where they thought he was Alex Jensen. That one's pretty funny. Where the Britain's I can see the Sean Bradley thing. Yeah, yeah. Britain's talking to a guy at a, I think it was at a car dealership, and the guy's like, "Yeah, it's it's I loved you when you played for the Mavericks, Sean." And the the another guy comes running over, and it's like, "Wait, no, no, no! <laughs> That's not Sean Bradley. That's Alex Jensen." <laughs> 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 but anyway, Zach is going to have zero anonymity come very soon. And that's that's a thing he's got to deal with, which which talk about a life adjustment. Right. I mean, maybe that's kind of why I ask the question, because it's it's going to be a life adjustment for sure. And he's been coached since he was 11 years old for such things. And I think that'll give him a leg up. But I don't think I don't think he can be 100 percent ready or prepared for the difference that it's going to be once he's in the NFL. Yep, I agree with you. All right, I want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. And, of course, when I get uh, carpets or tile cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean, and I won't have it any other way. $33 per room clean carpet or tile this month only. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. We'll have more coming up next. We'll do a little what's going on next right here on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. 
tough couple of games for the Utah Jazz coming off a narrow loss last night to the Timberwolves in Minneapolis, 105-104. to Two consecutive losses to the Timberwolves. In fact, Mike Conley talks about if there's any panic in the locker room. I think we're still very confident. We've had some uncharacteristic nights. One turn the ball over, guys not shooting it well. Just nights that you know we'll look back and, and realize that they made us better as a team. They made us better as a whole because we're going through. You know, we went through the last two games. We went through a lot in those between the first quarter and the fourth quarter of highs and lows. And tonight we were in a game where we were down and came back at the end, and, and it came down to two possessions. So we're learning. We're learning, and they're great lessons for us going into the playoffs. And uh, hopefully, we're getting them out now. You know, before we get to the time we're playing better competition (laughs) this bottom of the hour jazz update brought to you by our friends at syringa networks uh up next for the utah jazz they have a game uh uh, coming up tomorrow night against sacramento in sacramento setting up a showdown with the phoenix suns on friday night tomorrow night's game starts just after eight o'clock pregame coverage begins at seven Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. And the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Every day on The Big Show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for What's Going On, where we check in with the other uh, shows on the Zone Sports Network. Let's start things off today with our friends DJ and PK. Listen to them every morning from 6 to 10. They give their thoughts on uh, the Jazz game last night and how it finished. So there it is, PK, the final play. Booner asking the question, what was going on there? And those two did miscommunicate, Conley and Gobert. Rubio finds Russell, who lays it up and in. The Jazz broke down defensively on a back cut by D'Angelo Russell. Nobody guarded him, and he laid it up and in uncontested. Were they supposed to be switching all over the floor? I mean, what was going on here? Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert miscommunicate. I think they were supposed, from from what we heard in the postgame, I think they were supposed to be switching everything. But Conley had a look on his face like, man, this guy's going to shoot over me. Because with the switch, with a big guy, or a little guy screening for a big guy, he had Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy hesitated. And so Conley went and handled the, the switch, and then Rudy went to get him. And, well, that leaves a guy wide open because Conley doesn't know at that point, and they were too far apart. And nothing left to do but take the ball out the bottom of the net after giving up an uncontested lay-in. No, let uh, town shoot over you. So what? Well, he had it going there in the fourth quarter, but I think you're right. I think that was the plan. Better to have him shoot over it than get caught up trying to get through a screen. So, uh, How many threes did he make in the fourth quarter? 
Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look well, that how up. How do you know he had it going on? I mean, I don't think he had that good of a game. Keep hearing about their players and how athletic they are and this and that. And I don't, I don't, the Towns had an average game as far as I was concerned. He was doing nothing special there. And Quinn, what does that mean? This season is about getting better? So they got better? No, but making the mistakes and then learning from them will make them better, theoretically. Really? we got that a two-time is... All-Star, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, yep. and a 33-year-old. Yep. And we haven't figured that out yet? Nope. <laughs> Clearly haven't figured it out. <laughs> That's the one thing I can tell you for sure. So is next season about that competing is, at a high level continuously? That is been, it always about getting better? That has been Quinn's answer all year long. When they're on winning streaks or when they're about to take over the top spot, we're just trying to get better. And if they start losing, we're just trying to get better. Well, uh, his, his been his, when does that end? His go-to. When they get to the playoffs. He, I mean, that's why he made the reference about a week ago. The playoffs are the final exam. You know, and these okay. are all quizzes along the way. Well, then that's the great thing about it is that they'll have Mitchell back by then and they'll be ready to go. So let's not sweat these things. It's no big deal now. Yeah, I can't quite bring myself to say it's no big deal now and not sweat them. Your choice and the choice of the individual fan. Absolutely. I believe in that. So you have that right to whatever words you want to use, whatever level of obsession you have. And doesn't look like the one seed is going to going to happen. The Suns aren't going away. And the Jazz are struggling without Mitchell. Doesn't look like well, listening to Locke's thing that he does on the uh, postgame stuff. He said the Jazz aren't going to have Mitchell on Friday. So they haven't beaten the Suns with Mitchell. Doesn't make me think they can beat him without him. Maybe they can. But if that's not any reason to sweat and you're just getting better and then when the final exam comes, you're ready to go, I'm all for it. I've got no problem with it. I don't think the concern right now for Jazz fans is just that game. It's the most recent thing. It's uh, the back-to-back losses even. Six and six in the last 12 now. It's just not trending up. And 12 games is a pretty good sample size. Three to four weeks of – well, not four weeks of basketball, the way they're playing this year, but three weeks of basketball and you've been a 500 team. And yeah. stuff happens, but that's a pretty good sample size. And I know games get away, but when we were looking at the schedule, like this schedule's pretty easy through this run here, and they are uh, making a mess of it. Okay. So that's you got eleven. About, you, got a, about that. you got eleven games left to figure it out, to get Mitchell healthy and figure it out, learn whatever lessons have to be learned. So they had it figured out, but now they don't have it figured out? Oh, I think it feels like they have it figured out when they're winning nine in a row or nine in a row or 11 in a row. (laughs) Then what happened that they became less intelligent? That is an excellent question, PK. I mean, mean, you can't win them all. You You can't win them all. You're going to lose some. You know, everybody messes up some at some point. I mean, to this point, and you're right about the way the one seed is trending, but to this point, they've still messed up fewer than anybody else. But you're supposed to be getting better later in the season. Okay, that's so been that, the whole goal, and they're, yeah. not, they're not getting better later all in the right. season. That's all. You've, all, you've, you've outlined the, the concept. Now let's get to the point. What aren't they doing 
that they were doing. I mean, now all that stuff Shooting, you just said, there's I a got whole, all that. There's, there's a list of stuff. I would go, uh, to, I mean, Quinn would go to the defensive end of the floor, but I'll go to the offensive end of the floor. I thought in the third quarter, a bunch of guys, after they missed a bunch of shots in the second quarter, a bunch of guys didn't want to shoot in the third quarter. Well, one of those guys Clarkson, certainly isn't Clarkson. Clarkson did, and he was the only guy who did. And he would give up the ball, and guys would pass up shots, and the ball would come back to him. And even even before he was in the game, I don't think he I can look it up, but I don't think he, he started the third quarter. And they, they scored and tied the game at 49, and the ball went in the corner, and somebody had an open shot. I think it was Royce. I'm not positive. He, but he passed it up. He threw it cross court to Bogdanovich, who had a shot that passed it up. Who threw, he threw it into the corner to Conley, who had a shot, but a guy was running at him, so he put it on the floor and drove, and he turned it over. It was really what the whole postgame was about on Wednesday when Quinn was saying, well, we got too many turnovers. we got too many turnovers in part because we're passing up open shots. And he came out of the locker room in a quarter you normally play pretty well in, and they won a lot of games in the third quarter, saying, okay, are they going to make a run here? And three guys pass up shots, and they turn the ball over. Well, why are they and passing just, up shots? I think guys didn't think they were going to make them. Well, don't you want them to pass up the shot if they don't think they're going to make it? Yeah, but if the Jazz can't make open threes, then they got no hope because that's the whole plan. <laughs> the whole plan is to shoot threes. You can't win unless you shoot threes. It's the only way they can win. It starts everything for them. It's not the only thing they do. Obviously, they want layups and dunks and free throws, too. There you go, DJ and PK. Interesting conversation uh, those two had this morning. I do agree I think it was DJ who said it, that they need to be right going into the playoffs, and that needs to be the number one priority. Don't get caught up on a couple of games against Minnesota. I mean, they were certainly not games. They've got to figure out how they can get back to playing like they were in the middle of the year in the most important time in the playoffs. What they hit on there at the end, Austin, you and I talked about this before the show started. I think that's an issue. You know, Royce O'Neal, Bogdanovich, these guys passing up shots because they don't think they're going to make them. Well, then their role on the team needs to not exist anymore because that's what they're there to do is take those open shots. They have to take them. We've talked to, to Gordon about this a bunch of times. You know, Royce needs to be in a position where he believes he's going to take and make some shots. Uh, Bogdanovich, same way. I, I don't think Jordan Clarkson has that problem, as they kind of alluded to and, and laughed about a little bit. But you, you got you have to take them when the offense works. It has to you have to finish it. You have to have that confidence. Yeah, and you know to justify their hesitancy, they have missed a lot of shots. Yep, and and so I, it makes sense from a, a human brain standpoint that you've missed enough shots that you eventually think I can't shoot this ball. I got to pass it to someone else to help this team win. But that's what's actually broken. It's not that they, at least I don't believe, it's that they will never be good at shooting basketballs again. I think the broken part is the mental side. Yeah. And broken might be harsh, but I I think that that's the the cog in the the machine that needs to be uh, fixed or repaired is their hesitancy. You got to just let it fire until it starts going in. Well, here's the thing. I mean, perfect that they played the Timberwolves last night. Because did you see the Jazz defensive game plan when Ricky Rubio was on the floor? Yeah. Did, did everybody out there have flashbacks to Houston in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the idea. Listen, if if Royce is good, and I don't want to entirely pick on Royce because I don't think he's the only guilty one here, but the, the thing is if you're not going to even take it, they're not going to guard Royce O'Neal. He has to take it. Or else you're playing four on five like we saw so many times with Ricky Rubio. So if that's the case, 
then it's it's tough to justify Royce playing. And if Royce doesn't play, that takes your defender off the floor. So that's the conundrum. He has to take it. He has to take it. And then when he and Bogdanovich are both on the floor at the same time and, and hesitating, then it's Crowder and Rubio three on five. Right. Bogdanovich has to take it. That's why he's on the team. And, you That's why know, he's paid what he's paid. Right. And I've I've defended Bogdanovich a lot and say he's going to come back. He's a shooter. That's how he's made his career in the NBA. He's going to be fine. And I still believe that, but he can't be passing up shots. you got to be there to take him. you got to take him and, and have faith that somebody who's uh, had the career that Boyan Bogdanovich has had is going to uh, make them at a rate that is going to benefit your team. And if you don't believe that, or if he doesn't believe that, then it's tough to justify him playing. But they need him to play. You know, that's the hard, that's that's the conundrum. But when those two players in specific had the confidence and were taking and making shots, and we're talking about how Royce had the highest uh, three-point percentage on the team, you know, that that's when the Jazz offense really clicked because you couldn't get away with cheating. I mean, that's really NBA defense is, you know, if, if you can cheat the best to take their them, the other team, excuse me, out of their game plan by not guarding somebody or guarding somebody with two players instead of, I mean, that's, you know, if you can make teams pay for doing that, then you're going to win a lot of basketball games. And if they end up, if you end up beating them with the guy that they leave open, they, they just shrug their shoulders and go, oh, they got us that time. Right. Royce made it. The next game, they're still going to leave them open. You, if if you're gonna cheat to stop uh, Rudy Gobert rolling into the lane, the Jazz have to make him pay. Which they did all pre All Star break. Right. And something happened. Something so, changed. Got to get back to that. Didn't play well against Minnesota. Didn't didn't play well. Clarkson, Ingles, and Bogdanovich went five of thirty. Horrendous. Let that sink in. And yet the team's goals are still attainable. Right. Nothing was decided. No. By losing to Minnesota twice, but it still was awful. Not at all. Ups and downs of a season, they need to, and I think DJ made this point, they need to get back on the upswing going into the playoffs. And step number one to that is get Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup. All right, stay tuned. It is the big show. We'll have a market update for you coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You can't stop me now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Network. Shout out to Gary, who wanted this on a Total Request Tuesday. Songs are bands that remind you of Gordon. Uh, it is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott Gordo's on vacation. We hope he's having a very nice time. Time for a market update brought to you by our friends at TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. All right. Uh, today, the S&P 500 down a point. I, I'm about to, I mean, it's like having a fit. The Dow Jones 
up about three points. I feel like going out and uh, uh, breaking a wild Mustang or something now. I'm all ready to go. And the NASDAQ down 49 points. Today. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm holding it. I'm hanging in there, I guess. I'm hanging in there, I guess. That means that must have been a really bad day for Gordon. I don't know. I'm hanging in there, I guess. Hanging in there, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm holding it. I'm hanging in there, I guess. That was uh, his men's warehouse laryngitis from a few years about a few years back. Um, Austin, bringing up this story uh, real quick here. We've got Bowler coming up next, top of the four o'clock hour. Mark Eden is going to join the show at five. Very excited about that. Um, did you see that uh, ESPN is going to remember the uh, the Nickelodeon broadcast of the NFL? Uh, the NBA is doing something similar with Disney where they're going to have a Marvel broadcast. Austin, you, uh, of course, movie zone on Thursdays. You're our resident uh, movie and TV expert. What are your thoughts on on this idea? The idea of being uh, appealing to children. And no one could see your finger quotes around expert. I just want to make sure that's clear. You do host a show. That, But I am a quote-unquote expert, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm happy to be a quote-unquote expert. Uh, the uh, Well, my initial reaction was... Was this a scheduled? Because I saw it on tw- on Twitter a few days ago, late, late last week, and I thought, was this a scheduled tweet for April Fools that somehow an intern messed up the date and it didn't release until like the twenty second? Because this can't be real, can it? And then I looked into it. I'm like, oh no, they're they're really going with this. I think it is so dumb. I think it is so stupid. Uh, so childish, you have to gimmick up your broadcast because you aren't cool enough or or, you're, or whatever. It, it's so silly, and I cannot wait to watch it. You're going to watch it? Every second of it. I, I The Nickelodeon thing was so s- fantastically, stupidly awesome with SpongeBob it doing was. the fill goal and all it kinds was. of things. Getting See, slimed on the sideline. So... I'm a little torn on this because, for really, from a marketing standpoint, it's it's brilliant. But they are technically taking a page out of the playbook of uh, one Joseph R. Camel, are they not? <laughs> Where they're they're uh, smoking's cool. No, but I mean, they make a cartoon to advertise smoking. I mean, you know the the idea of appealing to the next generation of smokers. You know what I mean? Was his legal name Joseph? I have no idea. I thought it was just Joe. I think it's probably just Joe, but I assumed it was short for Joseph. But the point remains. But the point is they're appealing to the next generation of NFL, and in this case, NBA fans. And that... That that makes sense. I mean, it it does does. from a marketing standpoint. if, If you can grab... Uh, a young person's attention and help them to become a fan of NBA basketball by using um, some gimmicks like uh, Marvel characters and they're going to make the studio marvel they say, and do these things to appeal to the attention span of a young person. Yeah. And hopefully by the time that young person is a not-so-young person, they are a diehard NBA fan. Yeah. It's the same thing we do with our children to get them to eat their vegetables. We game it up. We make it cool to eat the vegetables. Right. Here comes the airplane. Or Peppa yeah. Pig eats her vegetables. Right, Look right. at the, you know, it's the same thing. And and listen, I'm a, I'm a little sensitive about uh, marketing to children because, like, it, it, it's amazing the power of the commercials that Nickelodeon runs. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I mean, like, the, there is, 
I just don't like I get it because it's a big money maker, but I also don't know how comfortable I am, you know, because you're marketing to a young mind. You're trying to manipulate a kid. Yeah, it's like the YouTube channels where all it is is they play with the new toy that your kid doesn't have until your kid breaks you into getting that new toy for them. And I love it how they always sneak into the commercial, like, ask your parents first, you know, like, but they know what they're doing. <laughs> and here's They my... know the percentage of parents <laughs> that go, absolutely not. You know who needs this, though, is baseball and hockey. They need this kind of thing. I kind of feel like the NFL and, and the NBA should be above this. But then I'm telling them they're above gaining more customers, and that's really bad business. No, it's it's super smart and and getting out in front of it and and really strategically continue to grow your game. And I think there is a reason that the NFL and NBA, and and really the NFL, uh, who came up with the concept, obviously. I mean they've and they're doing it again next year. They, the Nickelodeon thing, right? And they the NFL prides themselves on being way out in front of stuff, good or bad, by the way. Because they were way out in front of the concussion thing, but they didn't tell you. We're way it. out in the front of the concussion thing in a really bad way. Speaking of the American tobacco industry, they took a page out of their book for that one. Mm, good point. Let's just hire our own scientists to do some studies. Are huh? you calling them a liar? <laughs> this is a doctor. This this study says that football is actually good for your brain. Oh, who hired for <laughs> the people the the people to do that study? Uh, we did. Yeah, we did. Anywho. But, 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 we let them do their, their <laughs> own thing. Anywho. So the NFL has always been good at that, getting out in front of it. Business is uh, not always pretty or uh, acceptably uh, uh, morally straight. Well, the NFL had the conversation, if you watch the, not the, the, the movie, which I didn't even bother to watch, but the documentary, uh, Game of, what was it, Game of Shadows? What do they call it? I think that's League of Shadows? No. No, that that's can't be it. Batman. That's Batman. Speaking of, but the, DC the, is not doing a broadcast. The yet. PBS documentary on, on uh, concussions that the NFL actually tried to submarine, because it wasn't an, an ESPN documentary, yeah. but they said, you know, it's not in your best interest, Mr. Mouse, to air that. And so it went to uh, it went to PBS, but they had the NFL owners had a conversation that said, if moms know that this game is dangerous, we will not have a game because we will not have any players. That's how forward thinking the NFL is. Yeah, they're not dumb. No, maybe a little bit evil, but not dumb. And then, you know, and this is a bigger discussion when it comes to social justice discussions. They're not dumb there either, by the way. They know they're they know what they're doing at every turn. It's just not always cool. In fact, it's rarely cool. Or the correct decision either. But yeah, yeah. they know what they're. Uh, they will they will brainwash your child, and you're gonna like it. And we're back to what kind of makes me a little uncomfortable about this concept because they are marketing to children. I mean, their their whole idea is to sell their product to kids. In Joe Camel's case, that uh, not a good thing. In the NBA's case, though, I think it's really smart. I'm I, I'm excited to see if my two year old will watch a game with me for once. Maybe she'll be interested. Maybe if they put like a, a Thanos glove on Zion Williamson, she'll like to watch it. I don't well, know. Report back. I'll let, let us you know. know. All right. Bowler is going to join the show next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 the zone.